You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Remember Afghanistan, that war we lost less than a year ago, eight months? It's easy to forget. They want us to forget, but we can't forget. And they want reports like this to be buried. It came out from the DOD, uh, casually released, but we lost officially $7.12 billion worth of military hardware. We just left it in Afghanistan. Thousands upon thousands of Humvees, uh, military vehicles, even small planes, and an untold number of small arms, uh, uh, rifles, pistols, uh, equipment of all different sorts. Here, actually, it's broken down. Let's put those up, please. Uh, number one, 78 airplanes worth almost a billion dollars, nearly 10,000 air-to-ground munitions worth $7 million, 40,000 military vehicles overall, 12,000 of them Humvees, 300,000 general weapons is how they classify it, and 2,000 night vision goggles, uh, surveillance, biometric, and positioning tools, you know, sophisticated stuff. 17,500 pieces of explosive detection, disposal, and personnel protective equipment, and these guys have it. The Taliban, remember that? As they got cozy, hours essentially, uh, or while after we left, they were in charge. This is a disgrace. It could have been avoided. Take a look at some of the scenes that are happening every day over there. Uh, oh, that's there they are with our equipment. Um, not only fixed wing, but they also have helicopters. Yeah, our helicopters. And the Taliban driving our vehicles wherever they like, whenever they like. And now the Taliban are actually the police of Afghanistan. And they're not like our police. When you get arrested, maybe they question you. Maybe they read you, you your rights. No, over there, they throw you in the trunk of the car. I mean, uh, Black Lives Matter, seriously, maybe they should set up a bureau in uh, Kabul. What do you think? These are borderline atrocities, if not outright atrocities. And the world seems to be totally fine with it. Uh, after all, this is Joe Biden's catastrophe, so we don't want to highlight it, do we? I'm not going to cooperate. The lives that we lost are on Joe Biden, and he does not give a damn. We all saw that. Remember, during the campaign, they said that this guy, Joe Biden, had a big heart, and they kept on talking about well, his own personal tragedy, as if that gave him insight into so much. We now know it didn't. We have a president-elect who's all too familiar with personal pain, stepping up to be the consoler-in-chief, because he has to in this moment. But the thing about him that no one can deny 
is that he really is somebody of unbelievable empathy. We're seeing Joe Biden attempting to fill that void, if you like, uh, of, to use your phrase, the uh, consoler in chief. We're blessed. And we're just blessed as a country that we have a guy like that that can step up right now. You need a consoler in chief. It's unbelievable. I don't believe Joe Biden has empathy. I don't believe he's the consoler in chief. So much we learned when those bodies came home, those coffins, those flag draped coffins in his home state, by the way, Dover, Delaware. And what did Joe do? He couldn't wait to get out of there. Remember looking at the watch? How could he ever come back from this? I think at that moment, he lost whatever hope he had to be the leader of this country, looking at his watch. And of course, that was actually covered up by the mainstream media. This disgraceful moment covered up. If you look, this wasn't the only one, of course. The COVID deaths, when Joe was running for office, every milestone he commemorated, 100,000, 200,000, 400,000, then he became president and each one became a little bit smaller to the point that they were only saying very brief comments, making one paper statement. And then Joe started to literally laugh it off. Here's his reaction when it was 800, when we hit 800,000 COVID deaths. What did the consoler in chief do? President Biden, 800,000 coronavirus deaths. Um, if you have a statement on your responsibility, why haven't you uh, asked China to do more to be transparent on the origins? Unbelievable empathy, right? The consoler in chief. The consoler in chief. What? a fraud, all of it, and all of them for telling us that stuff. Back to the weapons in Afghanistan, $7.12 billion worth. This is not a surprise problem. Um, This is something that has plagued the United States in previous conflicts. President Trump warned about it the very day he declared for president, June 16th, 2015. He was so frustrated about all the stuff we left in Iraq. We spent $2 trillion in Iraq, $2 trillion. We lost thousands of lives. Last week I read 2,300 Humvees. These are big vehicles were left behind for the enemy. 2,000, you would say maybe two, maybe four, 2,000. 300 sophisticated vehicles they ran. Of course not. Now, other politicians have addressed it. Actually, Joe Biden did. The second of three times, how many times did he run for president? The second time he ran for president in 2008. Listen to this. It makes a big difference how we end this war. And it makes a big difference to tell the American people the truth about what our options are in ending this war. If tomorrow the order goes out from the president, I'm president of the United States, I issue an order, end the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do you hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. So he knew about the danger. He knew about the risk. At least in 2008, he did. 
He becomes president in 2021, and somehow he's forgotten all this stuff. Now, why do you think that is? Is it just that, well, Joe is advanced in years and is losing it, and we all kind of know that's happening? That could be. There could also be this. You know, Afghanistan is right next to China. They actually have a border together. Now, Joe always tells us how close he is with President Xi, right? Uh, 17,000 miles or something, they travel together, right? No other world leader spent as much time with President Xi. Now, President Xi, does he want those weapons? What are his strategic goals for Afghanistan? We know that Joe and Hunter, all those trips to China, I don't know, but there could be something there. I mean, Joe was warned about the situation in Afghanistan long before the actual our actual defeat there. Take a look at these uh, conversations he had with the president of Afghanistan. This is President Ghani of Afghanistan basically begging uh, Joe Biden, Mr. President, we are facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis, thrown into this. Now, Joe's response, by the way, is, is, is all politics, all optics. I need not tell you the perception that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there's a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. This is what you get, a uh, congenital liar as president. Whether it is true or not, all about optics, all about image. So... We lost Afghanistan in August. Two months before, what are our generals doing? General Milley, virtue signaling to Congress. He really should be sweating uh, the withdrawal, the logistics, all of it. No, he just wants to show off about some silly book he read about critical race theory. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and Emancipation Proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. Think of all the time he spent studying that garbage and not doing his job. Not thinking about how we're going to get this military hardware out of Afghanistan. We did it in previous wars. Sometimes it was messy. Hey, getting out of Vietnam, you know, they, they threw some helicopters overboard. They destroyed equipment rather than let it get into the hands of the enemy. Iraq was a mess, um, but at least it was somewhat more orderly than Afghanistan. Take a look. Um, they packed up the gear. Yeah, it was an orderly withdrawal, yet we still left millions of dollars worth of stuff. So back to Afghanistan. Why was it so bad? How did it get so bad? Who's responsible? There are a lot of people responsible, probably. You know, we have uh, some corrupt, woke generals, but the buck does stop with Joe Biden. How could he have gotten it so wrong? Let's ask Barack Obama. Legendary statement he made about Joe Biden. Don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. 
Well, he certainly had Joe's number, didn't he? When we come back, a particularly angry Joe Biden back in the uh, chapter from his past. We'll be right back. Bob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I can say is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Wow. What is with the fake news and Joe Biden? Why do they care about this guy so much? Why do they protect him? I know some of these people. I can't get a straight answer. Uh, Joe had the gaffe of, mm, let's see, no president has done this in my lifetime, okay? This has not happened before. Getting this lost contradicting himself, getting everything wrong, and they didn't report a word of it. Take a look. I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their, take their, their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy, uh, yeah, kleptocracy, and klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Uh, this is a bad moment, a really bad moment with big implications. Our enemies see it, our allies see it. They realize we have a huge problem. He has a huge problem. You heard him lose himself over the fairly simple word kleptocracy, uh, but what about accommodating, accommodating uh, the Russian oligarchs? Accommodate the Russian oligarchs. Is that what he meant? Well, even the White House had to embarrassingly correct the record. Take a look at the official transcript. Uh, let's see here. They had to, yeah, they crossed out accommodate and hold accountable. All right. That is not the word. What happens? What does it mean when you miss words like this, when you choose the wrong one? What happens if he says this to Putin behind closed doors or on the phone? This is bad stuff. Of course, no one in the mainstream media on the signature programs, uh, ABC News, not a word about it. Yeah, they covered the, the sanctions. They covered this, that, and the other thing about Joe Biden and Ukraine and Russia, but nothing about that moment, nothing about the getting the whole thing wrong. Same goes for NBC News and Lester Holt and Kristen Welker were just going to ignore it. They didn't say it. Do they think we don't have access to the information ourselves? Now on to CBS News. Again, spinning for the White House. Nora O'Donnell. How many millions of dollars do these people make to not tell us things? It's, uh, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? And there they all are. Very smug. How smug are these people? And they don't tell us what they know. Because when the president had that moment, oh, believe me, everybody was talking about it. But to not put it on TV, that's pretty strange. Hey, remember when Donald Trump made a typo on Twitter, despite the constant negative? Kofifi. Yeah, whatever the hell that was. It was a typo. 
They went crazy. We all know that President Trump tweets in the wee hours of the night, but this one was a doozy. Can you define the word co-fief? C-O-V-F-E-F-E. What does that mean? It appears to be an unfinished tweet with a typo, but who knows? If it is a mistake, no one seems to be noticing at the White House. That's it. That's all you got. It's not clear what the president was saying. Of course, the Internet lost their kofefe over this. <laughs> Why did the president type that? Kofif, kofefe, we're going to let you make the call this morning. First so he actually hours? posted at midnight. What, did he fall asleep? I think asleep he fell asleep in the middle of it. Pajamas? It happened. Your word is kofefe. Can you use it in a sentence? Despite the constant negative press, Kofifi. All right. So a typo is a national obsession for uh, three days. Yet Joe Biden uh, might be having a stroke on live television and it's covered up. That is uh, that's corruption. Yeah, that's what I would call it. Uh, folks, there's a new book out about Jill Biden, our first lady. It's not exactly flying off the shelves. Just came out its first week. Reportedly, it sold 250 copies nationwide. Uh, I bought a copy because I was curious what was in the book and what was not in the book. And uh, it's pretty fascinating for me because the fake news is covering for her now. They cover for Joe, now Jill. And they have this reporter do it. It's written by Julie Pace, and she's considered a big deal in Washington. Uh, Listen to how they treat her. Julie Pace making her first appearance here in her big new job as executive editor for the entire whole worldwide Associated Press. Wow, the entire whole worldwide Associated Press. Julie uh, Pace, executive editor of the Associated Press. They leave out the part where she seems to be moonlighting as a assistant press secretary in the office of Jill Biden, because all the stuff they leave out, how they portray her, this is a whitewash. Now, let's take the campaign of 1987. Now, there are a couple of interesting nuggets that, by the way, she lifted from other books with attribution. Joe runs for the presidency in 1987. What a really full of himself to think that he could do it back then at the age of uh, 44. So they're on the campaign trail. Jill is wondering out loud to a, uh, a person who has experience in politics. She says, uh, Jill asked this woman about what could I do as first lady? What would I have to do as first lady? Now listen to this. Uh, the woman's name is Ruth, by the way. She replies, anything you choose to do, Ruth tells her. There are a hundred ways to help Joe, and Jill could work on education, family services, better daycare, her own issues, and things that matter to her. Okay, now things change. Joe Biden, who's napping a couple of feet away, wakes up, he hears what's going on, and he's piping mad. Now, this did not come, this was originally ported, reported in another book. She takes it and puts it in her book. It is interesting. That's when Joe wakes up, Kramer writes, and the only part he heard was Ruth telling Jill how she could work on those issues, and he jerked into instant fury. He was not in this g-damn thing, excuse me, to have his family bossed around. His jaw started working and his teeth clenched in that killer grin. No one was going to tell his wife what to do. Honey, don't listen to anyone, Joe said. What just... You just do what you're comfortable with. Turning to Ruth, he said, 
Damn. Gee, damn it. Don't you ever tell Jill what she's got to do. This poor woman, Ruth, was just trying to help. There are some other little interesting tidbits here. Um, Jill was married to a guy named Bill Stevenson. Here he is. Uh, We played some clips of his interviews over the years. Seems like a really nice guy. Not according to Joe. He makes a point to say in the book, this was not a good guy. Uh, He told them about Jill's first marriage. This is according to Joe. Not the greatest guy in the world. What a gratuitous thing uh, for Joe to say, because Jill actually said about this guy, Bill Stevenson, in her own memoir written when she was second lady, my parents loved him. And most importantly, I thought I had found a love like my parents. For a moment, we were happy. The relationship didn't last. The guy deserves better than he gets in this book. Okay. Okay. I don't like this. I just don't like it. Now, Getting back to uh, what they leave out, Joe Biden got caught lying like crazy in 1987. And this moment is not in the book. Now, I remember this. I was in I was a senior in high school. I remember when this happened. The whole country was talking about it. Yet it's not in the biography. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I, think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. We've played this before. You know what he's doing. He's lying about his academic credentials. Nothing he's saying is true. And he was caught. He was busted. And back then, the liberal press... Well, they were better than they are today. They were still liberal, but they were unafraid to take on a Democrat. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Even Sam Donaldson, okay, they all called him out, and he had to drop out. I'm sorry, but how does a moment like this not make it into the quote-unquote history books? I can get this in eight seconds online. They're not putting it in a book. They're pretending that it wasn't what it was. I don't understand. And they also pretend that this guy has integrity. I keep hearing that in this book. This is a man of integrity. He lies about everything, big things and small things. Back to Jill. He lied about where she's from. Our next questioner is uh, Leah Connolly, a Democrat from Philadelphia. She's a program coordinator and museum educator. Leah? Philly girl. I married a Philly girl. Ooh, Philly girls are the best. (laughs) What's so good about Philly girls? What's a Philly girl? I'm not familiar with the Philly girl term. Maybe it's a thing. I guess it is. Uh, but Jill's not a Philly girl. She's from 30 miles away, a place called Willow Grove. Uh, that's not Philadelphia. But I bet there's some sort of political benefit in saying Philly girl felt good in the moment. Look, I can't say I'm a Brooklyn boy. That's the city. There would be a certain benefit to that. I'm from Garden City. That's on Long Island. Joe Biden actually lived in my town for a couple of months when he was a kid. I can't say I'm a Brooklyn boy. That's the city. There would be a certain benefit to that. Joe and Jill dating. I'm kind of fascinated about when they met and how they met, and I don't think we know the full story. So here's Jill 
back in those days, the 1970s? Uh, I don't know. Where'd they go on their first date? Here's Morgan asked a while back. Where was your first date? We went to Philadelphia to the movies. Do you remember the film? No, I don't. Something's up. Something's up with that answer. I told you my parents went to see Psycho on their first date, Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, might not have been the most suitable movie, but that's where they went and everything worked out fine. All right. I want to talk about another first lady just for a moment, uh, Michelle Obama. There's a new story on Showtime, a uh, show on Showtime called The First Lady. It's about her, Betty Ford, a bunch of others. But it's a sympathetic portrayal of Michelle over-the-top sympathetic. She got great press when she was first lady, right? We all saw it. The media were very kind to her. No, not according to Showtime. The white mainstream media was very harsh. Take a look. respond to these lies nor will i stand for you bringing my girls into all this that's what we're not gonna do uh i tried to find this footage i tried to find this moment it does not exist okay they took care of her they took care of her husband um because she's a democrat and because for a lot of things We'll be back in just a little bit with the war on cops that is continuing. And also, did you ever hear about this January 20th, 2001, the absolute riot that bordered on anything that happened in January 6th? These people were opposed to the inauguration of George W. Bush, but this, this has been totally ignored by history. Transgender, trans issues, trans awareness, trans everything. You know what I prefer? Transportation. Our country, a portion of it, the mainstream media, the left, obsessed with gender, particularly those with gender dysphoria who think there's something other than their biological sex, which is a disorder and there's treatment for it, but it's being thrust upon children, as you know. But I do prefer transportation. Our entire country prefers transportation. I mean in a big way. We could be going back to the moon. You know that, right? Peter Thiel, the brilliant venture capitalist who helped give us PayPal and, well, he had a role in developing Facebook as well. He endorsed President Trump in 2016. He put this transgender thing into amazing context. Listen to this. When, when I was a kid, the great debate was about how to defeat the Soviet Union, and we won. Now we are told, now we are told that the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? That's six years ago. 
And now they're more obsessed than ever before with these issues that don't matter. They don't. But they're driving everybody crazy and everybody's at each other's throats over it. There's that. And another non-issue that they're pretending is an issue. According to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. I obviously am very concerned about the rise of extremism and extremism related to white supremacy. The FBI has warned repeatedly that domestic terrorism fueled by white supremacy is the number one threat to the United States right now. White supremacy is the bucket. And it goes on like this, all right? These are lies, by the way. This is an outright lie. Where are the white supremacists? Why haven't there been arrests? What's going on? It's non-existent. They are doing this for political power, and it's a disgrace. Meanwhile, a real thing that's hurting real Americans, and it's happening all over the place, and it's being fueled by the left, it's being fueled by the mainstream media, black identity extremism. This is real. The FBI established this term. They were studying it. They were focused on it until it became politically incorrect, and they dropped it. They actually took the term off their books. So we're talking about white supremacy, which is not a thing. We're ignoring this. Who's paying the price, by the way? Cops, police officers, and the most disingenuous FBI director we've ever had is surprised, surprised that we're not talking more about police safety, and we should be. But he's the one who's been driving this white supremacy stuff in part, also the January 6th stuff. He had a moment of clarity, just a moment. Violence against law enforcement in this country is one of the biggest phenomenons that I think doesn't get enough attention. Last year, officers were being killed at a rate of almost one every five days. You think? Yeah. Yet you and your bureau remain fixated on phantoms and that January 6th hoax. Oh, yeah, a hoax. And you're surprised at what's happening? These images glorified by the mainstream media, people getting in the faces of cops and yelling at them. Hmm? This was sanctioned. This was righteous. Mitt Romney marched with these people, huh? And January 6th, oh yeah, January 6th, the gravest, the biggest investigation in the history of, uh, history. In the aftermath of the attack, the Justice Department began its work on what has become one of the largest, most complex, and most resource-intensive investigations in our history. Only a small number of perpetrators were arrested in the tumult of January 6th itself. Every day since, we have worked to identify, investigate and, and apprehend defendants from across the country. Okay, you, uh, you knocked yourself out with that, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Meanwhile, let me see those numbers, please, on the cops and the rate. 59% <laughs> increase over, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. Hey, another way to put January 6th in perspective, let's talk about January 20th, 2001. This has been lost to history. 
It was actually lost at the time. No one noticed this because the violence was coming from the left. These people were all opposed to the inauguration of George W. Bush as president. Of course, we had a close election, Florida, there was some controversy, but this was violence. And they egged the president's motorcade and cops were injured, it was horrible. Take a look. George W. Bush was inaugurated. Tens of thousands of Americans poured into the streets of DC in one last attempt to reclaim what had been taken from them. They pelted Bush's limo with eggs and brought the inauguration parade to a halt. The plan to have Bush get out of the limo for the traditional walk to the White House was scrapped. Bush's limo hit the gas to prevent an even larger riot. So that's liberal formmaker, filmmaker, uh, Michael Moore. Did you hear what he said? He said this was one last attempt to reclaim what was taken from them. But that was beautiful, again, because it was the left opposed to Republicans. I sometimes can't believe it's as simple as that. All right, now this. Of course, Black Lives Matter, but not in the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. But Black Lives Matter, 16-month-old, 16 months Caleb Watson shot and killed April 7th in West Palm Beach, Florida. Watson was in the back seat of a parked car with his mother and father, both 20 years old. Police say a gunman came up to the car, opened fire. Caleb's mother was grazed by a bullet, not seriously injured, father not hit at all. Caleb was struck in the chest and died at the hospital the next morning. The shooter immediately fled the scene, has not been captured. Police have no suspects. I think it's a shame. I think that this community need to take ownership and say it's time for a change here. It's too many violence. It's too many shootings in this neighborhood and we need to stop it. Bad situation. If you say something and they know exactly who said something, that might be your life. You know, you're not going to get a lot of cooperation when it's someone else's life that you're putting on the line for information. Well, the FBI just teamed up with local police to, well, they're, they're offering a reward for information from $10,000 to $40,000. Um, there's a real fear, uh, we're told, about coming forward, though. And you heard some of that there. Caleb Watson just... You know, you're not going to get a lot of cooperation when it's someone else's life that you're putting on the line for information. Well, the FBI just teamed up with local police to, well, 16 months old. And we'll be right back. They won't give you the facts. They don't tell the truth. Their bias is incredible. Now millions are turning to Eric Bowling, the balance to get the real story. Watch him on Newsmax. Okay, Black Lives Matter. Remember the big protests? Uh, remember the riots? If you were watching this show, we had a full and honest conversation about Black Lives Matter and what they stood for. And it's no surprise to me that it turned out to be a great big scam. You've seen the reports by now. Black Lives Matter uh, leaders buying very expensive houses. This one in Los Angeles, $6 million, 7,400 square feet. Now, this has disturbed a lot of people. People, by the way, of all ethnicities and all races. What is going on here? Well, 
Into the fray comes Todd Rokita. He is the attorney general of the state of Indiana. And Indiana, the Indiana AG, is actually suing Black Lives Matter over this and other issues. Uh, Mr. Attorney General Todd Rokita, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Thanks for your interest in covering this. Absolutely. This is an important issue. Indeed. And do me a favor first. Um, Indiana, Black Lives Matter, you know, it's not necessarily we don't put those two together in our heads right away. Uh, why you and, 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 and what are you trying to do here? Well, really, I'm not the only one. Certainly other states, even some Democrat attorney generals are attorneys general are looking into this. And every state's nonprofit laws are a little bit different and our consumer protection laws are a bit different. Uh, but what I saw back in February when you uh, first exposed this and, and others in uh, an accurate media setting uh, laid out the facts, it became obvious that anyone uh, at the state level or federal level or even local level that has a duty to pr protect consumers would naturally ask some basic questions. Um, first of all, whether it's based on complaints or not, the idea of what are which Indiana donors uh, donated? How much did they donate? Uh, what about Indiana's corporations, woke or otherwise? Uh, what their donations look like? And most importantly, where did the money go? Uh, because when you look at this organization's uh, IRS filings, you find that there are some tremendous discrepancies. For example, in the 2020 period, Black Lives Matter um, bragged about raising $90 million, spending about 20, a little over 20. Uh, yet the filing that they made for the first half of calendar year 2020 shows that they raised zero revenue. So there's some bait. And then, of course, the, the, the news reports about the mansions that they bought and other things. No legitimate nonprofit that I know of operating in the state of Indiana or elsewhere has officers that can buy these kinds of uh, houses of this kind of real yeah. estate. So where did they get the money? Where did it go? Was it BLM money or not? Simple questions. And valid ones, valid ones. Let me ask you this. After George Floyd uh, died, there was a rush. We saw all these protests and people were falling all over themselves to give money to Black Lives Matter. And for a lot of people, I don't think they did any due diligence. You know, Black Lives Matter was synonymous and they just, OK, let's send money. Corporations did that as well, big time, yeah. without the normal kind of uh, vetting that they would do. At the time, in the summer of 2020, did Black Lives Matter say how this money would be spent? Do we know that at this point? I mean, could their, could their defense be like, hey, this uh, we're Black Lives Matter. We didn't tell oh. you we were going to be responsible no. for this money. No, no. And and look, we're in a lawsuit right now because they failed to respond to our basic questions, right? The ones I've described that aren't hard at all. And we're going to ask the court to force them to respond or we're going to stop them from operating or at least fundraising in the state of Indiana. Uh, but any defense to this that would say, hey, we never told you uh, what we we're going to do with the money, therefore we're okay, uh, would initiate a lot of additional lawsuits based on fraud because that's what it would be. If you look at their mission statement, they, they are explicit in what they claim to do. Um, we, we can agree or not agree with their approach or their mission statement, but at least they had one. And based on that premise and other public statements that they made, you can uh, reasonably assume that's why donors 
Hoosier donors, other donors, individuals who don't want to, who don't sure. want to have discrimination, who want to be uh, for Black Lives Matter. Why? Because all lives matter. Of course. Uh, if nothing else, then uh, th- then that would be the fraud. The woke corporations, Greg, I'm I'm less concerned about. They had their own mission and leftist and and and, and additional uh, uh, reasons to do that. Understood. Understood. The people of Indiana, I think they're well represented by you, sir. Uh, Todd Rakita, Indiana Attorney General, to be continued. Come back soon and we'll be right back. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy and the guys who are the kleptocracies. (laughs) Ooh, that was bad. Ooh, that was really bad. I'd like to bring in Scott Rouse. He's a body language expert and analyst, author of Understanding Body Language, How to Decode Nonverbal Communication in Life, Love, and Work. Uh, Scott Rouse, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me, man. You bet. It's always fascinating when we talk to you. Look, I mean, it is what it is with Joe. Uh, I don't know if there's a great big riddle here, but uh, what do you make of what happened there? uh, what what did happen there? Well, I, I think what we're seeing, he, he got a little bit tripped up on the word. And then what we're seeing is him listening to somebody in his ear. I train people on what to look for when that happens, when they see things like that, when, to see if they're being talked to. He's being talked to. And you can actually hear him answer uh, yes, or what does, he, what does he say? In other words, he understands what's happening. That's what we're seeing there. So when there's that little break and he closes his eyes, he's listening to somebody talking to him. And when it's over, that's when he, his gaze shifts from one direction to the other direction. Wow. Uh, I've never heard that he would be listening to anybody. Do you have any other evidence of this? Is there a, look, I keep an earpiece. I talk to those guys in the back sometimes. But uh, do we know? Have, has anyone ever seen one of these things in him? I think there's some questions about whether or not that happens fairly often, especially when the election was coming around. It looked like there might have been something in there. So there was there was a big question about that, whether that was what was actually going on. But I know what that looks like. And I believe I believe with all my heart, that's what's happening right there. That's all what right. We're seeing. Well, with that in mind, I'd like to watch it again. And I'm going to watch it with I'm going to be looking for what you just said. That never occurred to me. Uh, and I'm not doubting you, by the way. But let's take a look. Oh, that's. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah, kleptocracy and klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Now, is it yeah, possible that the teleprompter was messing him up, and he just wanted to get his eyeballs off that and say sure. kleptocracy? Yeah, that's that's. There's no nothing wrong with that. That could, that's that's one way to look at it as well. But I know what that looks like. Overall, how much longer can this go on? Do you think uh, he seems to be in decline? Uh, might be outside of your purview, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a psychologist or a neurologist or anything. But it looks like uh, from a body language perspective, his energy just keeps getting less and less and less as as time goes by. His illustrators, the illustrators are what we use when we uh, uh, emphasize specific words or phrases like I just did just then, specific words or phrases. And his are almost gone these days. They're they're, they're very low. He keeps them very low and he doesn't move a whole lot. So that 
uh, you compare that to his baseline of a couple of years ago, and it, and and things are are starting to he's starting to lose energy. I think yeah. as he goes along. Well, it's sad. I wish it wasn't happening, but it's happening. Uh, yeah. Scott Rouse, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll put your book on the Newsmax website. To be continued, sir. Thank you. Thanks so much. You bet. Hey, everybody. Stinchfield is next. Have a great weekend, and thank you.